season baby dude it's been a, a minute yeah we took a little hiatus there to kind of recalibrate the longest we've taken since we started since we started and um we hit kind of this maturity point in our in this whole thing right we've mm. hit this maturity point where <clears throat> first off something's new and exciting and then something's new and exciting and you kind of find a rhythm and then it's new exciting got a rhythm and then you got some success and then you hit a point in evolution of anything where there's like a crux crossroad, right? Is this thing going to continue or am I ready for like the next new shiny thing? Like is mm-hmm. the iPhone 13 that, that great, <laughs> right? Um, we are at that stage, but we never hit that crossroad. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think, you know, we initially said we were just going to take January off and then you launched a new business and we're traveling and lots of racing and just, I've got stuff at my store and I think a month kind of, or we tried, but we didn't really try. We didn't, I mean, we, <laughs> we could have made it work. We could have. We like part-time tried. Like yeah. I went to a Best Buy in Utah and bought a microphone to record. We test recorded remotely. Yeah. Um, which ended up with like us on a Zoom call and me completely stripped down and putting ample ocean on, which yeah. was uh, just awkward uh, for audio, you. audio. No, okay, great. yeah, fine. <laughs> I know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like we tried, but I, you know, I think I think it was a needed break. Yeah, like, um, and I'm sure there's some social media podcast guru grow your audience guy who would be like dude you can't take two and a half months off and expect whatever yeah we're we're here (laughs) yeah and and we're recording and Um, uh someone's gonna listen yeah and you know to and i could tell that it was time because people were starting to ask me yeah that like and that's maybe that's good right like maybe you know a lot of the people who we who are our local audience or people that we train race and talk with on a regular basis. And like, you could potentially think that maybe they're sick of talking to us and then like to go talk to us, like, you know, uh, one of our team members, Ryan, I mean, the guys, he's new to this. So this is all for him. He's in the fresh new shiny stage. I'm not kidding. The guys at the bike shop, Three days a week. Okay, I spent uh, the weekend with him <laughs> for the True Grit race in St. George, and he talked about how he's so amazed. He goes, "Mo recognizes me the second I walk in, even with my mask on. I think they want me to fill out a W nine. <laughs> we did tell him he was just going to have to start working. <laughs> like you're going to be here this much, you got to sweep a floor. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he, he brought that, he brought. But that. Uh, and it's fine. Like that's to me. Like that's the. Uh, that's the environment of the bike shop, you know, like that, that should be the, but all that is to kind of like circle around to this idea. Like a lot of these people see us a lot. And so for them to also want to go home and hear us, you know, might, cool. might, might, well it is, but like maybe they get a little tired of it. And so maybe the gap was just big enough that they're like, okay, I'm ready for some new content. Well, and if that's you guys listen up. Yeah. Cause um, this year we're going to bring content. Dude, it's been, I, just before we hit uh, recorder, like, where do we start? Because 
you know, when we record, even our recording schedule last year wasn't amazing, right? Like we were, we were a little off at the first half of the year as far as producing the number of episodes that was our goal. Um, but even with that truncated schedule, um, we, every time that we sat down to record, we were like, okay, we got this two or three week chunk of stuff to talk about. And it was more manageable. It was more bite size. It was, okay, well you did this race and I took this trip and we got this and like, that's an episode. Cool. Yeah. Now we've got so much, stuff. Uh, dude. And you wouldn't think that January and February would really be so many things that, but it was a lot. Well, in, in commitment to what we talked about doing this season, you know, we started the race team in 2020 with our own rogue race series. Yep. And then just like the shiny new, new thing syndrome, everyone got super jacked on racing. And then last year, 21 was just pure race. Uh, Dude, it was all, all go, no slow. Right. And so, you know, and not, not, you know, it wasn't about my races or your races, but it was our team races. Like we had, you know, we maybe covered 20 events last year. Yeah. And so this year we want to take a step or two back. Not that we're not going to cover races, but to bring some content adjacent to the racing that can help like fulfill us a bit. Because at the end of the day, bike racing is kind of the same, right? There's a start line, there's a start time, there's a field, there's a course, there's a finish, there's a result. Right. And so you can only talk about the differences of them so often. And then... And not everyone's going to be... Like when you were talking about your race out in North Carolina, like that was an exciting blow by blow. If somebody was covering it on TV, I'd have watched every minute of it race. Right. But not every race is going to be that. No, sometimes I just raced on Saturday. Um, it started. I went really, really fast. Nobody was behind me. I won by ten minutes. <laughs> I set a course record. Right. There you go. It's the fourth time I've been out there. Yeah. Okay, true yeah. grit done. Is it easy? No. Was it hard? Yes. Did I try really, really hard? Yeah, I do every single time. Yeah. It was super challenging, but I won, and there was no drama. Yeah. At the race. And so, like, we could do what we did last year, which is a shitload of race recaps. Right. And tell you what it was like getting there and blah, 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 blah. And then who was on the podium and who wasn't. Or we could do more interesting. We'll do that too, I think, a little bit. Mm -hmm. But more interesting stuff, right? Yeah, more interesting stuff. You know, and uh, you you talked about how much joy you bring from being able to do deep dives on things that are very interesting that Mm -hmm. sometimes we just don't take a deep dive on. And so we're going to do that this year. And I'm super excited for that because then... You know, there's this like spotlight thing that um, we've had where it's like an area, you know, one of your trips or a bike industry thing or a bike shop thing or right. this experience. And then it's like, whoop, spotlight back over here. Then there was this race and there was this yeah. thing and then whoop, back to you. And this will be cool because it's going to be one big spotlight. Yeah. And we'll have a little bit more of that going on. Which Absolutely. Favorite. But we do, I, I do think there's a degree of catching up like what has been happening uh, a, a, a beginning of the year recap, if you yeah, will. Yeah, not a bad idea, but uh, this is only going to be like an hour and 15 minute episode. Yeah. And so to do a recap, Dude, the was, changes that have happened for both of us yeah. in the last two and a half months, it would be a six hour episode. It would. And I almost thought about trying to like chop up three episodes and just do like a January, a March, and or a January, a February, and then a March. And then um, that's going to be tedious and we'll eat up three episodes for no reason. Yeah, so. no. So we're just, <laughs> we'll, we'll fast track this thing. Um, I think at the very front of this, uh, it's, I think it'd be really, I think the, a good thing to do would be to talk about support for this year. 
because there have been some pretty massive uh, changes to that. Totally. Um, and I, I, I kind of want to let you, since you were the contact that made it all happen. Well, you know, we, we sent out an email to the No Ride Round team. So people listening that aren't on the team, you didn't get this, this info. And we really pulled the curtain back and, and showed, through transparency, showed how organic this No Ride Round thing has been from the beginning in that we really were just two dudes in a Model T, right. like plunking <laughs> our way down a, a beat up road. 100%. And... But we continued to do it, right? We would crank the engine, we'd hold the wheel, and we would siphon gas when necessary because it's almost $5 a gallon. And we would just keep going. <laughs> and uh, through that tenacity, um, we have now got to a spot where we have real, genuine support. Yeah. And uh, it feels good to have brands recognize what we're doing um, because both as a podcast in our listenership and our in our total episode downloads being awesome, but our presence at events nationwide, mm-hmm. and then the performance at that pre- of, of those presents, it's freaking awesome. And to have Orange Seal go, hey, we want to so- sponsor you guys, not just with like some particle laced latex, but we want to like support you, support you. Yep. Um, for Jack Roo to be like, hey, you've been buying our crap for the fourth season now, and you know what? How about we just work out a deal because we need to be involved on a deeper level, and that's mm-hmm. what had happened in December with both of those brands. Yeah. So really cool to have them jump on and and not just talking with a sales rep who sells a thing that, that this relationship with the company, but the president of Orange Seal, right? Going, hey, we want to support you, mm-hmm. right? And you know, to give, it's not to turn our nose up or say that the support that we gotten in the past wasn't good. It was just it was a little bit more bootstrappy where. It, w- it was a friend, uh, an industry friend or a rep or somebody saying, hey, I'm boots on the ground here. I see what you're doing. So either I'll order you some stuff on my sample account or I'll get you a deeper discount. And so it was saying that, hey, somebody locally um, believes in what we're doing, but it wasn't getting to a president or a marketing person or or something where like, the company was backing it. It was like an individual who knew me, knew you and wanted to support what we were doing at a, at whatever level they could. Um, and so that support has been great, but it's just that next tier, that next level when the company approaches you and is like, Hey, we need to, we need to find a way to, to work together and be a partner. Yeah. And, and I'm willing to give up things more than my product, but I'm willing to give up, financially give up things which is a big deal i mean huge like that's been the 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 ongoing thing is like products super easy to get right in theory not in the middle of all the silliness that's still going on supply chain wise um you know uh we speak it's so funny because when you're in your own when you're in your own head in your own situation you see how bumpy model t organic things are right And then you look at other people's situations and you're like, gosh, it's just like, oh, it's they're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> they're, I need to do it that way. But, you know, everyone is is just bumbling. You know, it just optics are different, right? Some people have more practice at bumbling than we do. Totally. Or people just bumble a little bit luckier yeah. at certain times. And, and we have too. Like, yeah. let's be honest. Uh, you know, I went through like a pretty hectic week last week. And my buddy's wife, who who was down at the race, goes, 
to him. I, I wasn't around. And she goes, man, I feel so bad for, for Justin. He had such a week. And, and my buddy goes, you feel bad for him? Like, yeah, he had to deal with a lot of stuff to get to get some travel documents so he could be flown across the country, the world <laughs> to, go to, to go to an event in complimentary yeah. in paradise. Like, yeah. don't feel too bad for him, right? Like, so, let's, let's scale. Like, yeah, so <laughs> we're not asking people to listen to our, like, plight of, like, bumpy no. road and be like, hey, uh, man, those guys are really, like, man, they're really doing it. Like, because we're, by no means are we, you know, we're not feeding the hungry here. We're, we're, we're feeding the mammals in our world. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, but to that point of seeing outside in, Last week, I had the luxury to spend a couple of days with um, somebody who's at who was at the pinnacle of their sport. Like, and by pinnacle, I mean two-time Olympic gold medalist, right? Uh-huh. I mean that's the best in the world. So I'm hanging out with this guy who was the best in the world at his given sport. It was skiing, and uh, and we were talking a bit about you know I just started asking questions about like you know how did you pick your brand of skis or how did you pick your brand of boots because the way we've done it and we've always kept ourselves like like. Uh, key on this is let's get the stuff that we already want to use. Yep. Let's not just get the stuff we get for free. Yeah. Or we can't right? like, or that we who, can get, who yeah. will give us a bike yeah, totally. or whatever or, or, or nutrition or like, yeah. what do we want to use? Yep. And then, Hey, let's make a relationship. Mm-hmm. And even as we send out our emails to these companies at the bottom of each email, um, we put, Hey, like we hope this works, but if it doesn't like, just know we're buying your stuff anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. but so I'm talking to this guy, pinnacle of the sport, gold medalist, right? I icon. Okay. And, uh, he's like, you know, man, like it just started off. Like I was riding these skis and these are what I just rode as a kid in our program, like parents buying them. And then I was on a team and they had those skis and then I just really kind of liked those skis. And then they gave me some, a few free pairs of skis. And then when I finally made the team, he's talking about like the U S team, right? Then there was a relationship where you started to get a little bit more than just the skis, but it was like two decades for him to establish the the uh, cachet to go, all right, this is the contract. And when that finally happened, you know what he did? He switched freaking skis because then he made a decision based on the deal. And that's not a sellout thing. And he, the way he said it, he kind of had um, not a, not a sheepish attitude about it, but kind of like you know. And then it just became a business. And I'm like, well, dude, that's that's fine because. But also, if that's how you're paying your bills, yeah, like it has to be a business and. Um, he chuckled because we talked about what our evolution was. And I was like, but I'll be honest with you, dude, at the $10,000 level for a bike, they're all dope. So yeah, like then you just take the deal. And yeah. at, at the level of skiing that he does, like that specific giant solemn ski, uh-huh. probably all brands are dope. Yeah. So then you take the deal. And so just to get behind the scenes from somebody at that level. And I realized like, oh, like, so you did it the exact same way that we did it. Yeah. Which is... You just kind of used what you used and then organically made relationships. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of time. Yeah, and it takes time. And that's the thing is like, you know, it, it's it's relationship building. Uh, but with all that said, um, you know, the the three big companies standing behind us again this year are, you know, to have Orange Seal, that's huge. I mean, they sponsor some of the biggest racers in the world. Um, right. Cole Patton, who's an Orange Seal dirt rider, just won Mid-South Gravel. Um, you know, like they're... To, to, to have them see value there, and even if the value is different or scaled, to have them see value here um, feels huge. And so, like, that's amazing. Jack Roo, uh, we were already using their product, and so for them to, to get behind us uh, in the way that they have this year is huge. And then um, for the third year in a row, Shimano being willing to, to make room for us when literally buying a chain 
um, on their dealer site shows product available a year from now. So for them finding a way to make room for us uh, is massive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so just like gratitude, thanks to those guys. They don't listen to this, I don't think, but everybody else listening just needs to know that we're appreciative of it. <laughs> right. And, and when we say that stuff, like what we, what we kind of committed to with this season is all of our relationships are going to be the things that help the rider universally. So, you know, maybe it's not a specific bike brand. Like, hey, we're not, it's not this bike, right? But it's all the stuff that makes riding any bike you have better. And so when we talk about them throughout the season, whether it's the three we just named or we get into nutrition stuff or whatever, it's because they help all the riders universally. So if you're listening to us and you like what we have to say, give them a try, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not for you, no big deal. Like everyone has a, a specific preference. Like I don't drink Morton because it's it tastes like really like bland maple syrup. So it's just oh, not my the, thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. But maybe that's your thing. And, yeah. But you know, people love that stuff. Yeah. So like, <laughs> uh, but give it a shot. If you guys listen to us, try the stuff that we talk about throughout the season. And, uh, and we'll have random one-offs throughout here because yep. as we're out at events, you meet a company, um, like I had met at 24 hours old Pueblo in February and they toss you some stuff and you go, I give it a try. I haven't tried it yet, but I'll try it. And maybe I'll talk about it in three episodes. Right. You know? So, um, all right. Well, that's house cleaning. Yeah. I think. Good. Um, so I, for the life of me, cannot remember. I think this happened after we had already recorded our last episode of last season where the new dates for LaRuta got announced. I don't think that was covered in our season finale. You know, I, um, I'm like 90% certain that we didn't cover it. Well, uh, let's just do this. <laughs> Cause that's a big, t- that, guys, that was guys. I have a, a friend. <laughs> Uh, his name <laughs> is Harley. And if you make a plan with Harley, um, he is about the plan. So, you know, five minutes, one direction or another is not like a huge deal with Harley, but changing a, a specific detail, um, the trail, uh, the start, t- start point of the trail, the route, uh, the route, uh, like if you make a change, you're going to deal with a situation. All right. And I'm just going to put it that way. You can deal with a situation. And it's not because uh, Harley is inflexible. And it's not because he's like this, like, no, man, it's got to be this way. Because he's the furthest from that, right? I would, I, I would argue that, and it's weird talking about him when I'm looking at him like this. But for you listening, I would argue that Harley is probably the most malleable friend that I have, right? He is willing to shapeshift um, at the benefit of others, right? And that's because he's a service guy. Like I've been in my whole career too. We're service guys first. But if you change a deal, he is, is going to have, he's going to, there's going to be words. Okay. And so our plan last year was race LaRuda in November. Yep. And then it got uh, canceled kind of in the last couple, in the, it was in a the month final out. stretch. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was the yeah. day of the, the cinder. Yeah. So they, they, they drop the date because, uh, you know, they lose their the health department clearance is too big of a deal with COVID. And so they're, we're going to push it to the following year. So we just assume November the following year. 12 months year, out. Right, yeah. So we're 12 months. Okay, well, here we go. Rinse and repeat. Training for LaRuda. Stage race. And then they announced that it's in May. And I once tried to change a ride from Three Sisters to Lair of the Bear with Harley. <laughs> and it was immovable. It was like the rock in front of Jesus' tomb. <laughs> and so uh, I needed an act of God to move it. And I'm not God, so it didn't move. And we rode three sisters. Um, 
when you move a date of a mega event, the hardest event that that you Harley will ever do yeah. to date in your cycling yeah. career, yeah. and they moved it, fast forwarded up, what is six that? months? Six months. Yeah. Um, you're gonna have kind of like a, uh, and you already are like a stress dream, dude. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have like a like death death yeah. fingers around your throat sort of stress initially. I I had a stress dream. I had a threshold, like a two-hour, pretty intense threshold workout last Wednesday. I had a stress dream about it Tuesday night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so Santa Muerta, like, uh, you know, death itself might have felt even more uh, approachable than this date change. And so um, when we found out on the sender, you did have that, like, what the – and we're just like, hey, we'll just – See what happens. See what happens. Because it was right before we started that event. Like yeah. we were lining up. Yeah, it, yeah, that's when they set up. And so here we are, and you have come in the months since we've recorded, you have not come just full circle, but you have come to to truly embrace the fact that this is going to happen earlier. And I'm going to argue you're going to become you're basically like stage race guy this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I only have two on the books, but they're two big ones. Yeah, I mean, you're doing Laruda. Yep. In Breck Epic. Going back to Breck Epic. Yeah. Nice shirt uh. today, by the way. <laughs> Wasn't even intentional. Um, I think, you know, so, and I know that we didn't cover it in the last podcast because the last podcast we talked about performing at my best at LaRuda in November right. after Breck Epic. So now that I'm like rewinding through that. So, um, and we talked about how you were going to become a, a racer, not a right. lifestyle racer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I think the hard thing about it, the race is hard, whether it's at the end of May or at the beginning of November. Right. Um, and let's be real, endurance-wise, volume-wise, if I really like sat down and looked at you, like coach-athlete perspective, like the work is there. Right. Because you didn't take in w- w- the words we don't use. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you didn't take it. Didn't really take it. I, I had like a little taper, and then um, in November, like started like bringing volume back up, but just like with taking some time off from the podcast, I don't think it's a bad thing to like drop your volume a little bit if you don't have an event impending. Right. Right. And, and you also like when you drop your riding volume, you increase your other movement volume, Yeah, which is what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fitness isn't really the thing. It's what you think is the thing, but it's just a shift in your whole life schedule that you thought, was going to happen. And, uh, and that's big. I mean, to, to shift to since 2015, which is the first year I did Leadville to shift the mentality of my big. So I have the whole year or, you know, the whole riding season, um, with lots of outdoor season to ramp up to this big thing in August or November to change your whole mentality to be like, well, I need to think about what did my training volume look like in November? Not that I can do anything about it. And then like, how does that, how does my whole life look shifted four or five months earlier? Yeah. And that's um, a big deal. You know, I'm going to rewind back to your Leadville in 2017. Mm-hmm. Didn't go awesome. Was that 17 or 16? Uh, the uh, 16 was the year. 16. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it didn't go awesome. And I remember talking with you after that year, and it was even more 
it had an even bigger impact in a negative way than um, maybe not so great races in years following because it was your only event. Mm -hmm. And it was at the end of the season. And so because it didn't go how you wanted it to, then it's almost a whole entire like five-month period of like, like living in the cloud, right? And so I remember that following year, the whole plan was, okay, I'm still, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to do this Leadville thing, yep. all right, and finish how I want to, but it can't be my only event because inevitably there's going to be bad events, right? Like I DNF the Telluride 100, right? right. Yeah, you just, but you want to spread out the likelihood of it not being your A event. <laughs> right. In, in, <laughs> or the possibility, um, not the likelihood. Right. The po- yeah. But it's also, it's like the way we talk about nutrition, right? The more meals you eat, the more mistakes you can make. The less meals you eat, the more impactful those mistakes would be. Mm-hmm. So if you have three meals today and, and one of them is terrible, 33% of your nutrition was terrible. Right. If you have six meals today and one of them is terrible, it's not that big of a deal, yeah. right? Like in the 15s, 18%, it, something yeah, like that, yeah. right? So like no big deal, right? And, um, you know, we, what I think we learned then was, was for you anyway, because you hadn't done as many events each year, that we needed to ramp up more events. And when you start ramping up events... Not that they don't mean as much, but you diminish the uh, the mountain that they seem like looming in the far off windshield. And as it gets closer, it gets bigger, and then it can almost become like like panic stricken, massive. Yeah, like and, the know, stuff that causes stress dreams. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but if you race a, a lot, you kind of go, "Oh, that that's my routine. This yeah. is my routine. I got to hit go on my routine." Yep. And you know, we finished last season talking about. The racer lifestyle versus actually being the racer. Mm-hmm. The racer isn't stressed out about an event because they know what what to do, how to do. It. Like it's it's almost autopilot on the the machine that yeah. is the race. You know your nutrition. You know totally. your gear list. Like you're, there's there's a lot of things that are. And hey, not for nothing, making the shift from lifestyle racer to a racer um, isn't going to be as clunky as maybe it would be going from not a racer to a racer of any kind because. I already have, I already know what my gear checklists mm-hmm. are. I already know a lot. It's just the big shift for me has been, um, like I have a workout of some variety every day yeah. and like really just settling into it and just like, that's been a big shift for me. Um, but anyway, that's, you know, it's, what's funny. Um, so I, I had a race on Saturday in St. George. And, um, I had the worst week leading into it. And so I sit here and I, I outline plans for people to go into a race, right? And I'm very, it's very specific what you do on each day and purposeful and why. And I rode a bike on Sunday, uh, a week ago yesterday. And then I didn't touch a bike Monday through Friday. I didn't do an indoor. I, I didn't pedal. Nothing. I didn't put my mizone on. I literally had no dedicated workout for five days because life just strangled me, the life right out of me nearly. Yeah. And then I raced on Saturday morning. I had a phenomenal result. You know what? I still feel dirty about that week. (laughs) You know, I still feel like I'm in the back seat where I'm like, man, I lost a lot of ground, which the result from the thing that we actually do, the race says otherwise, says otherwise. I still, as the racer, I still sit here and I go, man, I got a lot of ground to make up today. And I'm looking at, I'm looking down the pipeline of another race this weekend starts on Saturday. So I'm sitting here before you right now wanting to 
smash a workout or two or three today. Like do the weird, like compulsive. I, I, and, oh. and you know that doing three workouts today doesn't make up for missing five last week. No, it does not get the, it's, it's like sleep too. You know, people will go like, I'll make up. Yeah, I'll make up. There's no such thing. Just like, you know, there's no such thing as making up sleep. You, you just can't do it because you don't have a DeLorean. <laughs> so <laughs> anyone who's under 30 listening to this, A, hate you. B, look up DeLorean. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it's weird in, in what I, and the reason I say that all and kind of confess that is I tip my hat to you in doing every workout every day because it is that in and of itself that creates the racer that in me allowed me to go with a week of nothing yeah. being like, yeah, but do when this, when they, when they say go yeah. and the chains are off, no one can, no one's going to catch me. But that confidence only comes from years of doing what you're doing right now. Yeah. And it goes back to the behavior is the character, right? Mm-hmm. We, are, we are what we do. We are not who we say we are. We right. are what we do. And yeah. what you do is a workout every day of the week. And so when LaRuda starts, you go, this is what I do, bro. Yeah. yeah, it's May. I know it's May. Guess where I'm not at in May? That bullshit snowstorm that's probably in Denver <laughs> randomly in May. Except it is rainy season down there in May. <laughs> I would rather be in rainy season in Costa Rica than in snow bullshit in <laughs> totally, Denver. Okay, totally. I drove over the pass, uh, and by the pass, it's several passes, um, but the four big one. times last week, yeah. and every time was in snow, ice packed, yeah. terrible. And I was like, I would be in a rainy jungle right now all day long, all day, all day every day. I have less clothes, yeah, yeah. so less to pack. Um, well, I I have gone from having, for me. You know, they have like the five stages of guilt. Yeah. And like the last is acceptance, right? And I think I go through those stages, uh, but with like schedule changes. So like, you know, denial was the first one with the schedule change. And I was like, you know what? I looked, I immediately went and looked at the weather, looked at like COVID statistics. I looked at all sorts of crazy. I was like, there's no way they're going to have the race in May. It's not going to happen. We're going to be racing in November. I literally went through everything. Um, and it went pretty quick and you and I both have had passport woes. Yep. Got my passport book tickets that day. Same day. Same day. Um, and, uh, I think that was like not acceptance, but like embracing mm-hmm. like, and that also, not for nothing, it breathed a little bit of life into uh, the work that I, I'm doing, the training, and, and the because it's all been at home. Yeah. Right. Like we have our group coaching calls with Don uh, to Dusk. We have one on one coaching calls, but like I'm in your dojo. I'm, yeah, I'm, it's a, it's a solitary road yeah. <laughs> right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I signed up for a race in April. Um, getting the passport, getting the tickets. It just like, it kind of reinvigorated the excitement to do a big volume week. Like I did last week and like really kind of start ratcheting and being like, you know, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just excited. It's <laughs> um, so we are for as much as you and I share like in similarities, you know, maybe the volume or the, the character of our similarities may look different, but our similarities run super deep, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you you got your passport and booked your tickets. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea if my passport's coming, but all my <laughs> tickets done booked. <laughs> just, like, 
Um, and by the way, uh, as an aside, both you and I dealt with it. The, the passport agency situation is the craziest thing that I've ever been a part of. Um, absolutely crazy. And you know, people use that phrase, you know, oh, to get that done is going to take an act of Congress. Yeah. To get our passports, yours, we called, not mine, mine were, yeah, yours, yeah, yours yeah. different. We called, we had, a, we had senators, a senator get us an appointment. <laughs> like it was an act of Congress yeah. to literally get our passport. And I, we, I thought maybe it's just as unique to us. And I wasn't being a, a degenerate. I mean, I mailed mine in for renewal now 14 weeks ago. Yeah. So ample time. Yeah. Um, when I was in the passport agency on Friday morning, just last week, most people that had appointments had to use a congressman or a representative or a senator to get them appointments. And there were people, you know, I'm in Denver doing this, and there were people in from Minnesota, uh, south up in South Dakota, people from California, people from Chicago, people from Dallas that had flown in because it, that was the only office that they could get an appointment at. In the through, country. In the country through their act of Congress. So if you exit... If you're familiar with Denver, right there at uh, Parker and 225 is like the world's most awkward, large interchange by Cherry Creek Reservoir. And there's a big hotel that I think is like a Radisson or something. And you're like, who would want to stay at this hotel, at this junction of, like there's really not, no one flies in to vacation at the Cherry Creek Reservoir. Like it's, you can have goose shit at your house. Yeah. Okay. The view's not that good. The hotel is adjacent to the passport agency and almost everyone in the whole place was staring at that hotel. I'm like, that's the, this is a racket. Somehow, whoever owns they're the in Radisson, cahoots. Like, they're in cahoots. <laughs> the US government owns the Radisson Hotel chain because they're, dude, <laughs> they're your tinfoil hat might be on a little tight. <laughs> dude, no, I'm telling you, it was, it was unbelievable. And then, so I wore, on purpose, I wore my shirt that says, be a good person. Um, it's a black shirt that says, be a good person, like gigantic, like bold letters, right? In white. And we finally get to the counter. We have everything all filled out. And we're like, oh my God, we're at the finish line. And then they go, great, everything's good. And you can pick it up on Tuesday. And we're like, you know, would really like to just leave here with this thing buttoned up. <laughs> yeah, but, and then I take my jacket off and I show my shirt and I'm like, I'm about to tell you a story of a lovely lady <laughs> who was raising up three very lovely girls. I went into my whole spiel yeah. with that shirt, proud and wonderful. You know what? We walked out f- three, four hours later with our passports. So something that seemed so impossible for over three months yeah. and you can walk out after knock of Congress and it's yeah. Um, and but you were dead. I was dead. Yeah. That just takes a long time to resolve. Apparently yeah, I had were, to show lots of people, lots of documentation. You were, you were classified dead with the social security office, right? It, yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, uh, Molly's, my wife's friends love to give me shit about that one too. Like they still like, that's like the, the thing they hung on to from the last two years was like that I died. Um, but uh, I will say with the exception of like the enormity of like your social security number being identified as like inactive cause they think you're deceased. Like that's huge. Like that's a big deal. Um, once that was resolved. So I, I think, so we sent all, once that pipeline was clear, all the paperwork went in. Rush fee five to seven weeks. Molly and I are sitting there looking at a calendar going, you know, cause she's coming to Costa Rica with, um, we're looking at the calendar counting like, well, you know, and then of course USPS sucks. So like we put it in the mail and the tracking number was inactive for 10 days. Um, <laughs> so we're sitting there like counting, but we paid, I don't know, it's like 30 bucks for the rush fee or whatever. And then expedited shipping once it is done. 
because we're like, man, this might be down to the wire. It was like 12 days from the day that they signed, like the the USPS priority mail arrived at the passport office. Like they cashed the check the same day. Big shock. Right. Um, but yeah, 12 days. Yeah, it's it's like once you break, and that was my point too about like once yeah. you break through, yeah, then you're like, oh wow, so this is like actually super manageable. Yeah, like we can just we can just do this. They're just gonna put one massive hurdle in front of you. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you know there, and I don't want to get caught in the drama of it, but um, I guess what has transpired from our last end of last season to the start of this season is that um, endurance racers, us. We have an uncanny ability to just focus on the forward, right? And <laughs> totally. Like we can get really hung up on the details. Like you get hung up on this is the ride we're doing, or this is my nutrition strategy, or this is my prescribed workout for the day. These are my intervals, right? And you have, and I was telling somebody this over the weekend. I go, no guys, out of everybody who is in the entire network of people that I get to work with, Harley has the highest accuracy rate on workouts Barna, <laughs> Barna, like you, most people's a profile with heart rate and power, and then the the actual workout design are like an EKG version of like catching, and yours are just straight lines everywhere. It's like, <laughs> how does he get crisp nineties everywhere? The guy's got a T square yeah. on his power meter, and so, um, but for all of that that you exhibit before a race, as I do, like I have a very specific way of doing everything before. Once the event starts, you just focus on forward. Yeah. And you know that tra- that that translates into life, right? In the in the forward, and so you get to the spot where hurdles come up, and you're like, "Yeah, but I'm just going to keep going that way." Mm-hmm. People are like, "That seems crazy. I can't believe." Yeah, but it's because it's in that direction, and that's the only direction I know how to go. I don't know how to go the other directions, yeah. right? Um, I, I've since I started racing and had enough clarity to to think about what how racing impacts the rest of my life. I've I've stood by the contention that I'm a better person in the other parts of my life because I do hard events. Like when you compare barely squeaking across the finish line at Leadville to like any other bad day, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) the other bad day, unless somebody died, like that's a big deal. But like, you know, you compare that level to any other thing. It's not hard. Um, I want to, I'm just going to reveal a bit of you to those listening so that they can know that this isn't just woo woo talk from this like philosophical <laughs> level. And I looked to my right and my bookshelves in there, we're recording at my house and, um, you know, there's all these books in here that are talking about mindset and how to do this, how to do that. And it's all good. They're words. And I had somebody close to me once say, stop reading books and start writing the books, dude. Um, you just got to do the thing. The first time base camp got broken into, you were like... Not for nothing, but I had like my high school girlfriend freaked out less about certain things. Like the first time base camp got broken into was a huge ordeal for you. Yeah. A, because you don't want your, sh- your shit yeah. stolen. Like yeah. that's fair. B, like you spent so much time building this like dream project. Right. Okay, cool. C, it's a super huge violation, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's not like a good feeling. And, you know, but then it started happening again. And again, again, and again, and it's, and you're like, well, then I got to do this. And I got, and it just happened last week. And your response to me was just absolutely, I got all the alarms. I didn't even like acknowledge them. I just woke up in the morning and made a phone call because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just par for the course. It's going to happen. And, and you just took it in such stride that 
you know, I knew, I knew in that interaction last week, and I knew it wasn't that big of a deal because somebody else on the team talked about how you'd gotten broke. Like I was there and there was glass on the floor and I was like, well, dude, they just got broken into again. They got bikes. Like, wait, they got, it wasn't a production. People didn't even know. Like you just took it in stride. And that's why I know in May you're going to have a breakthrough experience. Yeah. Because you're in this point where you're just like, oh, Tyson, you punched me in the face because you love that phrase. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Like, will you hit the other side? Because it feels a little lopsided. Like I'm feeling out of balance. Yeah, yeah. And so just hit the other side and then let's reassess and maybe yeah. we do it again. Yeah. Um, because you're Tyson and it's cool to be with you. Yeah. <laughs> you're a good dude. Um, um, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, so that's why you're, you're, you're going to have a breakthrough. And it's not going to be easy. Like, it's, it's going to be, be super hard. hard. But you're going to get done and, and you're going to have a breakthrough. And I'm excited to watch that because that's, you are the racer in your behavior. What you do is who you are and you're doing it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I'm excited. And I mean, for what it's worth, the, the program that I, I want to, I do want to do at some point, we can just like put a pin in this for later. I would love to do, uh, an episode soon where you and I talk about the different sides of the, the program. Yeah. Because it has been different. So like, and it's, uh, it's been good. And I think a lot of less about the workouts and more about the other stuff has been what has been the the big shift for me in my fitness journey. So, um, that's a whole lot of stuff. We haven't even talked about, you did a race in January, you launched your new company, you've had two camps. So like, let's steer the ship back to that. I took a trip to Bentonville with a nightmarish blizzard for for cross worlds. Yeah, that was awesome. Cool. Yep. Um, um, but what did you learn about watching something dope on bikes, dude? So, <laughs> so I, uh, I I was very happy to go and see something cool. Like as a lifelong cycling fan, to not have. I, so when I was a kid. Late or uh, early '90s, mountain bike racing was huge in the U.S. But I lived in a part of the U.S. where there was no mountain bike racing, and so everything there was the Norba National Off Road Series, World Championship stuff happened here. Like there was a ton of amazing mountain bike stuff happening. There was a ton of amazing uh, road bike stuff too. There was like the amount of road racing that used to happen here, um, but it was all in the West, or it was all like you know Northeast. Like it was none of it was happening remotely close to where I was. And so, um, it was all just Velo news, like paper magazines, like not velonews.com, like, you know, Velo news, mountain bike action, bike magazine. Like that was my exposure to all this amazing stuff happening in the U S we, the U S had some of the best mountain bikers in the world. John Tomac, Tinker Juarez, like the guys who were dominating at that time in the sport were U S guys. It wasn't until much later that the Euro started, just trouncing everybody. Um, but I was too young and too far removed with no vehicle to go experience cool world stage bike stuff happening in the U S. And so six months ago when, um, it was announced or whatever, when I found out that, uh, cyclocross world championships were happening in Fayetteville, Arkansas, I got with, Colin and, and Tony at the shop. I was like, we're going shop trip. I don't like, I don't really care what the weather's like. We're going. So 
it was crazy cool to go to a world stage event and see, you know, a, just any big name in the cyclocross world. Tom Pidcock, who, you know, he bridged over to mountain biking last year was amazing. Um, one world champs. Like it was just so cool to see world stage racing in Arkansas. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a kid. You had that kid dream. Yeah. Like not for nothing, not a kid anymore. And you had to finally come realized. Yep. Like you had to have felt like a kid at a point there when you first saw like the magnitude. Well, it's, it's of, just like, and to think that, I mean, there were, I think they said it was like 50,000 people there. Like in Arkansas for a bike race yeah. in January. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, that's really cool. But, but what I learned, <laughs> uh, we were in Arkansas for five days and we rode four and I was grumpy a little bit about not riding five and we, we totally had time, but we just didn't know we had time. So I, I, I we were staying in Bentonville somehow through our research, we you know, our, like our pre-trip planning, we thought that Fayetteville was much further away. We thought it was like an hour. It's like 20 minutes. Right. Um, anyway, the point is, is like we didn't ride one morning um, and we made this big production out of breakfast and coffee because you got to go to Onyx when you're in Bentonville because it's amazing. Um, and there was a cool bagel place around the corner that wasn't there when we went before. And so like we made this kind of big production of the morning and all that time we spent doing that, we didn't spend going for a bike ride. Right. <laughs> and then you had to go watch bike riding. And then go watch bike riding. And then even a part of you is like, well, we can go for a little spin this evening. But then it like getting there was super fast and easy. I think from our door to being at the venue, watching people riding bikes around a track was like 35 minutes. But getting back home when 50,000 people are trying to leave on shuttle buses it's like a two and a half or hour ordeal. So like my realization and my, my learning experience for that is that I'm going to do my best to not combine going to watch a bike race and a bike trip. Right. <laughs> because if it comes down to watching really badass people ride bikes or me just riding bikes, I'll take me riding bikes every time. You know, and that's what, um, so many people are intimidated to start mountain biking specifically, but in all cycling, there's a huge, the barrier to entry financially is, is pretty big, big. right? Yeah. Um, I, had a guy, I had a guy in, um, oh, where I was at this point in Tucson, I think recently I'm putting window tent on the front of the van. Right. And, uh, he sees the bikes and he's like, Oh, I'm thinking about getting a bike. He's like, well, it'd be a good place. I go, don't even start unless you're buying a $3,000 bike. Yeah. And that's really, the, that's not a dick like answer. It's just, real life. It's just buy a $3,000 bike. It'll help you become a better rider. Mm-hmm. Buy anything below that. It's going to hold you back and you're going to be buying a $3,000 bike anyway. So, so when people hear that though, they go to three grand, like to us in the bike world, three grand is like no big deal, but $3,000. If they told me like that, this picture on my wall right here was $3,000. I'd be like, get bent, dude. Like there's no, never buying it. So huge barrier to entry. And so it seems tough to get started. However, everyone rides the bike the exact same way, Right. So we can go and spend, people make a, a whole Sunday out of an NFL game. You know why? Because you don't have pads and X amount of other players to play it in your backyard. So like you can't play the sport. So it seems super surreal to like experience that sport. Yeah. Right. Um, 
And many sports are that way. I don't care if you know, U.S. Olympic diving, um, you know, like what the Red Bull plane flying guys, like there's stuff that you could just never do, but everyone can ride a bike. And so I've always found that, yeah, as the athlete, right, you're not as good as Pitcock. Not by even, no. I'm not 1% as good as Pitcock. No, but you could ride the exact same course that Pitcock can ride. And I could ride. have just as much fun. And have just as much fun. Yeah. And so it makes it really hard to put yourself in the back seat mm-hmm. and go on their journey when you're like, I want to be on the journey, right? Like, I want to ride that. And to be clear, like, it was a great trip and we had a ton of fun. And both days of racing were amazing and it was cool. Like, the bike community has this thing. And I'm sure you've seen it through your your racing career where, like, you end up in these random spots and you see 20 people from all over the country that you know. Yeah. Like, it was that. Like, and it used to be that with the trade show back when it was in Vegas and we don't have trade shows anymore. Um, and so, like, this was just, like, we saw people we knew from New Orleans, people from Tennessee, people from Colorado. Like, I saw people from all over the country and you're just like walking around, you're like, oh shit, there's that guy. You go talk to him for a few minutes, share a couple of high fives, holler at some racers. It was cool. It just wasn't as cool as me riding my bike. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh. <laughs> um, so it was a good trip. Uh, you know, we, we did an episode on Bentonville before. I will say not much has changed. There's a few more restaurants. Uh, there's a few more trails. Uh, you should go. You I'm should, gonna, you should yeah. potentially go for one of your camps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, April 21st. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go out. I'll probably be out there the 10th, 11th, um, 12th, somewhere in there. And I'll spend, you know, a good solid eight days before I even start the camp, which is what has been my standard with the St. George camp. I just had in March and then the, the Tucson camp I had in February. Um, I go and spend several days there so that I have all the contingencies worked out, right? Yeah. Which I if needed. We, if we can't need. do this, we can do this. If right, we, totally. you know, yeah. Or one racer can't, like, uh, we had this really cool, our first day training ride at St. George a couple weekends ago. I had built a course in such a way that there were so many loops within the route that I was able to take fast guys off the front, make my own, like, hijack route to get guys from the back, to get guys to the middle. To right. do and so, like, I had all these... You know, and you, you have to be out there to figure it out. You have to be a local, right? Yeah. And that's what I spent this, since we recorded our last episode, I've, I've tried to become a local in Tucson and in St. George. And along the way, it's been super cool. Uh, these camps subsequently are aligned very closely with race events. <laughs> um, Can't so, imagine why. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I put my van in drive on January 14th and headed to Texas and just got back last night at midnight. And here we are recording. So for those of you that thought we did take a bunch of time off, realize that like we were eight hours removed from the very first moment I was back in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the funny thing is I think when we, you know, when we, when we wrapped up last season and we, we were talking about how we were going to prep January for recording in February, I think at that point it wasn't really on your schedule that you were basically just going to leave for two and a half months. Like at that point you like maybe the, the inkling of an idea that it might happen. Yeah. But then, uh, the reality set in for you that you're just like, well, I have the Riddler and then I have a camp and then I have this. And it's like, why would I drive back to Denver if I don't have to? It was, you know, um, it wasn't just the podcast though. The podcast, no right on, by the way, ranks very high. Harley and I were just carrying some fitness equipment out of the basement, and I was ranking the people in my life based on who I'd take a bullet and a vital organ for. He made the list, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, 
I put my car in drive on January 14th and I backed out of the driveway here at the house with the trailer attached and five bikes on top of the trailer and the whole deal. And I like er, stopped and I go, oh shit, like I'm like I'm really going to be gone for two months. Yeah. And I roll the window down to Abby, who's like taking a video for like her Insta story, which is awesome. And I go, um, I just got sad. And I don't like, <laughs> I'm not a highly not that guy. emotional <laughs> yeah. dude when it comes, like, cause I'm always like, yeah, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Forward, you know? And, uh, I was like, oh, hey, uh, you want to go to Nixon's for a latte real quick? And then we sat down and like booked a bunch of plane tickets together to have her come out every two yeah. weeks. And I was like, man, that felt like really weird to leave and be like, I'm not coming, coming back. And, um, we talk about her and I talk about our dogs all the time. Mm-hmm. Cause every time she was gone, even throughout this whole, these last two months where she'd come out and visit every, she was flying out about every 10 to 12 days and spending four to six days based on what was going on. And so she did both camps. Yeah. She had both camps. She came out for OP. She came out, um, to drive back with a new car from Phoenix. Like we, like, um, so we, we had a bunch of time together and the whole time that we're together, she's like, man, I miss the dogs. Now, mind you, I hadn't seen our dogs now, like, you know, it's for two months. Yeah. I never thought once about the dogs. Not that I don't love the things. Yeah. They're just not in front of me. Yeah. And so when I was explaining that to her, this idea of being gone hit me the day I was leaving. But then once I was gone, I'm like, well, I'm gone. And I'm like, now I live in this contained life yeah. and I'm, I was living in the van by the way, I spent two months doing van life, yeah. which again, another thing that I'm like, I wrote that on paper, but then like actually doing it, like sweet. You know what, Harley? I never once got sick of van life. Did you? Well, because there's a lot of like things that people don't talk about, yeah. right? Like I've showered at truck stops, right. okay? I've pooped at truck stops. Yeah. I have like not in the toilet, but like outside the truck stop because I couldn't make it to the toilet. Yeah. I have done laundry and laundromats, which laundromats are home to the most interesting people on the planet. Nothing against them. I love them. As a matter of fact, I think the laundromat now is the only way to do laundry. Mm-hmm. It is so efficient. Just put it all in. Yeah, you have four washers going. Yeah. Four dryers. You're done in an hour, whether you have a shirt or like a house full of clothing. Right. So I love it. Um, but it is not super... You, you worry about water all the time. Like the only thing you're thinking about is where do I... do? How much water do I have? Do I have enough water? I need to get more water. Where's my water? Um, yeah, I guess I've only camped in my mind like two nights. Like, so I have 18 gallons of fresh water. It's like three days. Yeah. And, and okay, water rights, people are going to call me now. And I'm, California hates me because I like almond milk. But like you go through <laughs> a lot of water as a human. Yeah. You know, because I'm yeah, in the van. So, use water. Yeah. And I wash my face, brush my teeth, cook, boil water, make coffee, clean. Yep. Right. Like all of these things. God forbid you want to like rinse off. Yeah. Not at a like and not go to a truck stop or not break camp. You use a lot of water. And so, you know, I have 18 gallons, which I thought I'm like, dude, this is a funny. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's three days. Yeah. So then where do you fill up water? Oh, there's water fill up stations like all over the West. I always wondered who used those things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I always wondered who used Amazon lockers. Because yeah. you don't have a home address. People who live in vans. People who live in vans. And that's a big like the scope of people who live in vans is of like everything from like the Chris Farley guy. Like down, like in a van down by a river, all the way to guys in expensive built-out vans, and the amount of them that are out there. And by them, I mean us. Like <laughs> you, you know, yeah, you're, um, you're them now. <laughs> like Arizona has this cool thing where state land, you can, um, you pay, you pay five bucks or fifteen bucks. Things like fifteen bucks, and it just kind of like says, "I'll use state land responsibly," right? Yeah. Um, 
and you can camp just like BLM land in Colorado. Anywhere that's state land. Anywhere that's state land. It is basically, if it's a dirt road in Arizona, it's state land. Like there's so much of it, right? Mm. And so you get out there and sometimes you're you're pretty remote, but what you find when you're out there is like, oh, there's a ton of people doing this. And you see just the scope of people from like, yeah, yeah, the Instagram posters yeah. all the way to just like the grizzled <laughs> desert people. <laughs> totally. And and it's un and everyone's got their own rig and it's about, it's actually kind of hard to have quiet time if you're around people because it's always like people checking out your van, asking you questions, this, where you been? What like I started getting to a point where I'm like, well, I ride every day for about five hours outside. So when I get back, I just went in the van and shut the doors. Not that I don't want to talk to people, but like, I just, I don't want to sit. Right. So I spent a lot of time like in, I mean, I lived in that tiny space. Mm-hmm. Dude, I never got bored of it. I never felt like claustrophobic. I never, it was just an ultimate rhythm. Um, it was really cool. And that was through racing uh, the Puzzler in El Paso, Texas, which, which people here are like El Paso, there's mountain biking there. Yeah. Franklin Mountain State Park in El Paso is so sweet. Like if you are, you know, we go to Pueblo in Denver when we have bad weather. Mm-hmm. If you have a little more bandwidth to go further south and make it to El Paso, it is sweet mountain biking. And for those of you uh, and us using trainers, you know, training on the indoor bike, it's a hell of an experience to go down and ride that rock because you're like, oh, this is what it's like to actually ride a real bike, mm-hmm. right? Muscles are built on the trainer. Right. Character is not. Yeah. <laughs> Character is all about being on rock, and that's what El Paso. And you can actually mountain bike from El Paso into Juarez on single track mountain bike trail. Oh wow, which is sweet. Yeah. Bring your passport, yeah. you know. But you can mountain bike into Juarez and back into the. It's it's really huh. a cool area. That's crazy. Um, I couldn't because I didn't have my passport. So uh, the guy next to me <laughs> coming did. back around to that. <laughs> um, and then it made my way over to Tucson. To get prepped for the camp. Dude, you posted up there. You were in Tucson. Like, the bulk of the two Many months weeks, was, yeah. like, there, right? Yeah, yeah. I spent, you know, f- four and a half, five weeks in Tucson. Yeah. And uh, Out of eight. Yeah, and that's where I would be uh, today if, you know, I didn't have to come back for other stuff. Right. Like, um, matter of fact, next year, I plan next year, January through March, I'm just going to be in Tucson. Yeah. You know, with the exception of the, of the camps. and like, yeah. But uh, it's a mecca, dude. At this time of year, in... And that's why I keep reminding myself and, and others too. Is that it's like, bad. Yeah, like it's not fun to mountain bike at one in the afternoon in August there. But these three months, you know, if you saw someone on trail charging, I could jump up and like catch onto them, their wheel, and be like, this is a, an elite level rider. You know, I was getting into like group ride scenarios of people who are really elite because everyone down there riding hard. That's what they go. That's where that's they where go. They're at. Yeah. yeah. It was so cool. And With the so, exception of the pros in California. Like right. everybody Everyone else, else goes, it goes to Tucson. Totally. Even some of the California guys go there. Yeah, it was it was really cool to be down there and to, and to be able to ride every single day. Um, you know, I I parked on state land and I parked on trail, and you know, I'd wake up and I had a rhythm. It was so good. Yeah. It was so good, and uh, man, I loved it. So we get to the Tucson camp that went off swimmingly. You know, it was my first one, and I I have a standard with this. Dawn to Dust business, which I think I had with E3, and I know that you've had with Basecamp, which is, it may be new for me, but I don't want the consumer experience. They don't, you don't want them to know it. Yeah, like it doesn't need to be clunky. And so I, I felt Tucson went off really well, and St. George is even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but finishing up the Tucson camp, it did like, you know, it shed light back. Is the first time I had to work uh, in front of people, in for people, um, on a timetable. So... 
from the moment I left on January 14th until the first camp, which was, you know, February 3rd, I never set an alarm right. on my phone. Yeah. Like, I just got up when I got up. Yeah. Yeah. I ate. I read. Yeah. I drank coffee. I rode a bike. I ate. I filled up water. I read a book. I cleaned a bike. I went to sleep in yeah. Normatex. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. um, so I went back to like serve mode during the camp and it was a hell of an experience to get back into the like hustle of that in a way that I was like, ooh, I don't really like how this feels. You know, I had so quickly adopted this like van life, vagabond, mountain bike, chill guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest, I've gotten, I, I don't have, like my road rage went away. Funny thing about a van, you can't drive it that fast. And so you automatically <laughs> just go like, well, I'm not the fast guy anymore. And then all of those other like negative behaviors that are associated with having to be at a place at a certain time or meet someone at a certain time, when you eliminate all those, like, constraints my whole level like went down and i'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah you cut me off or you didn't go yeah you don't green. care like i don't really care yeah. you know i've done my thing today and i'm driving around a kitchen in a bed so i'm not like really in a rush and it was i haven't had that in my whole life yeah and so when the camp started and i had some of that hustle i was like "Ooh, this is like this is a very ugly feeling uh-huh. and so um i learned and then when the st george camp came across i, I just did a few pivots that eliminated that, and it was even better. And again, I think the customer experience was the same. Yeah, you know, but my energy was like even calmer. And I'm like, I remember wow. talking to you right after. You're like, man, that was a lot of work. I was like, yeah, the second one will be better. Like, yeah. And again, to that point, like I like you telling me that. I don't want like uh, someone at the camp being like, well, the next one will be better because I want them to again. Well, that, not not better. Like the customer facing. I, right. I would guarantee fly on the wall would tell you that the customer experience is probably identical. That, and they, I had people at both and they yeah, said that, yeah. which was cool. But, but you're right for me. Like for like, there's no way to dry run a three day camp. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no, no way for you to go through calling me FaceTime at nine o'clock on a Friday to put a derailleur on. Right. There's no way to dry run that. Right. 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 <laughs> right. By the way, thank you for answering. And the access <laughs> derailleur is massive. It's, it's like huge. a piece, It feels like a big piece of machinery that I'm not well, licensed it, to, to it, operate. It does have motors and batteries. Yeah, I, I shouldn't. I was like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just no way to dry run that shit. So, you know, in your mind, you knew how Tucson was going to go, but your hands and feet hadn't done it. Yeah. So. And then hands and feet did the St. George one and then... Um, you know, that, that actually, that is what got me through the chaos of last week to take me back to St. George a week later to do that race when, you know, all, all signals said, bro, just kind of call it. Yeah. Wave the white flag. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we had El Paso Puzzler. <laughs> forward. In, in, <laughs> forward. Forward. In January, <laughs> which was great. Raced that single speed and was able to, to win the single speed. Had a hell of a challenger. This guy, Mo down there, um, hats off to him. He's on the, uh, this team called Middle of Nowhere. And they race in Juarez in El Paso, and he is blistering fast on the descents. And uh, I actually was getting beat on descents and then winning on climbs. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be the descent guy. Right. Um, There's only been a couple of races where you, that's happened, right? Dude, yeah. And Like, no, I'm the downhill guy. Yeah. And this was, like, shocking the way he – and he's got this, like, long flowing hair, like, super cool-looking dude. And he passed me in just like his hair flying by like Lorenzo Lamas. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And uh, so, but it, but it came around and I was able to, to win that and then actually take fifth overall, which got me a paycheck, which was kind of cool. Nice. Um, and then the next race was 24 Hours Old Pueblo that we had in February. Yep. And we recapped that in, in great detail 
a couple years ago because we had some drama with a, a, a wheel <laughs> and broken wheels things. and calling ex-wives yeah. and um, this one went off. We, we really didn't have. I was actually the only one that had mechanicals. I had some like weird couple of things happen, but mm-hmm. no, nothing that really interfered. And we really planted a no ride around flag hard um, on the scene, taking mm-hmm. second in uh, overall and second in the four man open. Right. Um, it was Chad was throwing down. Dude, he was so fast. He is so fast and just throwing down impressive, impressive laps. And he's had a history of durability issues. Like, and nothing against him. He's faster than me on every ride. Yeah. 30 miles or less. But right. you get above that and he would start to break. And mm-hmm. I remember the in 2020, like, the big races, the big rides, like his nutrition. Yeah. He would struggle with the nutrition stuff back then. Yeah. And then we did Royal Gorge and, you know, as the, as the last laps kind of cut. But he, I mean, his training Dude, has he been... Was- so consistent that, that was the thing like looking at because uh, we generally share the 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 live result page in, in our mm-hmm. slack channel and you know watching it like not to say that anybody else on on the four-person team was any less consistent but i mean he had a three minute like his fast lap was 57 and his slow biggest air quotes ever was like 59 yeah, like he was, he was just he was so unreal. consistent unreal and so uh, super impressed by him, and I'm super impressed by all four guys on the team. So, yeah. so um, yeah, you guys dropped. Chad Berenson, blistering fast laps. Victor Rodriguez, fast ass laps, and like really consistent between day and night laps. Mm-hmm. Like you really, you know, most people fall five to seven minutes at night. At night, yeah. And Victor can just be steady, and so that was really impressive to watch him yeah. ride that way. And then uh, Jeff Murphy has never done an event like this at all. And he's actually never raced um, like high octane mm-hmm. endurance before. And so he came into it just like, I'm fast and I'll try hard. And boy, he just was fast and he tried hard. Yeah. And it was really cool to watch him go through, you know, Victor and I have raced, we did, you know, OP the, in 20. And we've also raced 12 hour races together as mm-hmm. teammates. Chad and I did raced 18 hours of Fruita. 18 hours of Fruita. Chad and I, 18 hours of Fruita. Chad and I, 12 hour races. Yeah. So like we at all three had that experience together and Jeff came in just as like a virgin to it all. Yeah. And so to be able to learn the lessons of what multi-lap 24-hour racing is, because the lessons are are fast and ferocious <laughs> when you learn them. Unforgiving. Yeah. And he would just be like, there's no way, there's no way. And then he's, okay, I'm going to go do it. Yeah. And um, was really impressed by his ability just to keep bouncing like a ball yeah. when when the ball felt like it was going to splat, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Great result. Super proud of our whole team. Was was really, really cool to see. And then, you know, we had other teammates there. Elander going. I mean, Elander, he was in with the big – I mean, he was in the deep end of the pool. Dude, third overall. Against the national champion. And stood on the box to Keegan Swenson, who set a course record. Course record. That guy – so I follow him on Instagram. And uh, his girlfriend is uh, – I can't – I don't know her last name. Uh, so- Sophia, oh, yeah. uh, who's – a, a badass racer in her own right. She was an Olympian uh, last year, but she posted like video of him walking back into like their Airbnb and she was like making fun of him. He was laughing about it, but the poor guy was walking like he was 85 years old. Dude, these guys, when they got done, so Elander and Kev, which Rob Kev, which who did single speed open got fourth, which so everyone, everyone podiumed yep. like no rider on podium. Yeah. And it's becoming a trend happened last weekend too. <laughs> and, uh, those two guys though, being the solo field, like all of us on the four-person team, Victor slept a little bit, yeah. but the other three of us, we stayed up the whole time. Yeah. So it means you're up from 7 a.m. Saturday 
The race starts at noon till noon Sunday. The race finishes to awards at two or 3 PM till, um, we actually, Abby and I jumped in the car after awards, drove to Phoenix and got her a new car. So like I didn't go to bed till like 10 PM that night. So yeah. we were all up for, you know, 36 hours, give or take. Yeah. So we were up the same amount of time as Elander and Kevwich, huh. but we weren't racing solo. Those two guys, like you never want to put your hands on a man. Right, I don't mean in an intimate way. I yeah. mean, like you don't ever want to take someone by the shoulders and like turn them where they need to go. Just because, like point them, steer yeah, them. Like, you're a man. I'm a man. Like, yeah. I respect you. I'm yeah. not gonna like like operate you right. like a Pinocchio doll. But uh, they need to be marionetted. Like yeah. they like they're just shell. Hey, you're coming over here now. Rob was waiting for the podium. They're calling. <laughs> like he was over here. Like I'm excited for the podium. Podium. I was just gonna and he's now. sitting down, <laughs> and he's sitting down next to the position for fourth, and they're calling his name for fourth, and he's looking around like like he's waiting for them to call his name, and I'm like, "Yo, UFO, like that's you," and he's like, "It's a, uh, well, uh, like these two guys." <laughs> so you had to put your hands on them and yeah. like move them. Poor guy was just totally boxed. Yeah, you're gonna stay right here now. <laughs> so that so that was old Pueblo, um, but it it was unbelievable, yeah. and um. And then we just finished with the big event. Um, with, first with first stop for NUA. Was it yeah, first? first? First stop for NUA. And we had, um, you know, I took the first place single speed. Um, fortunate to set a course record on that too. I'm in the 50 mile distance You bumped now. it down. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, the 100 was successful for two years in a row, the ultra. And so I'm yeah. going to the marathon distance. Yeah. And um, just everything clicked. Had a good race. Yeah. Uh, had a lot of good positive energy into it. Um, Elander takes third overall in the epic in the hundred miler yeah um really great time and he's going for that series title this year um geared not single geared, speed yep so just chad, open right chad men's open 50 miler which is uh the distance i was at he took third overall as well mm-hmm. um he's going for that title this year uh, amir took third place in the men's masters victor is his 50th birthday they did the hundred just turned just turned to masters like Just that day on the day yeah, yeah it was his 50th birthday saturday he did the 100 mile distance took fourth uh colin donovan takes sixth in masters and ryan bennett coming from a novice racer uh really a season ago yeah. and took sixth in the men's open 100 miler and really rode like a monster that was the big one like not to short sell anyone else's result no, but you can say, like, I'm supposed to win. Yeah, like... You, Elander's supposed you to win. Winning, Chad, you, Chad's supposed to win. Yeah, like, I was not surprised. I was pleased. Yeah. And I was elated, and I was happy, and it feels good to go, hey, out of seven racers, we had five podiums, and everybody top ten. That's a great feeling. But to watch the evolution of Ryan from... So he was a COVID mountain bike buyer, right? Like, <laughs> right. He, he bought yeah one of the cheapest mountain bikes we sold in 2020 uh just to start mountain biking and to watch his like meteoric rise from like summer of 2020 to competing in the open men's field at a hard race and finishing top 10 that's i mean that's the story it's, for me it's un- it's unbelievable and you know um i get the luxury of, of working with him so i'm not i you know I didn't build him up as, as well as you just did just now because you, you got to keep, keep your dog hungry. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right, dude. Like, un, that was, un- I mean, that was so cool. I mean, it, he, it was. It was so cool. When he finished, I was in a van with Elander, like, shooting the breeze, and he just rolls up, and I'm like, um, Are you done? You need it. 
go do your second lap. Like, what are you here for? <laughs> and he's like, dude, I'm done. And I'm like, what? Like, it was just. Yeah. And I, I, I shot him a message. And I was like, dude, awesome job. I hope you're pleased with it. And, he, and he's such a an alien. He's an alien. Yeah, he is. Uh, but he admits it. So that wasn't talking shit. No, no. Yeah. Uh, but he, like, he gave me no emotion about it. And it was like, just like, yeah, I had this problem. But then I got back in front of it and it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to do another one really good too. <laughs> like it was the most analytical. Like I'm like, dude, great job, super proud of you. Like I think you did awesome. I I, I really hope you're happy with what happened. And he was just like, yeah, I had one hiccup. You know, I had this nutrition problem, but there was nothing to be done about it. And it, you know, it's text, so I'm making yeah. up the monotone. But like, oh, you're pretty spot on. But like, <laughs> it's just like it was so matter of fact. Like not like, yeah, dude, I'm so like. I had these problems, but dude, first open men's field, I finished sixth. Like none of that. Just yeah. here was the problem and I've got another race coming. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it's got to settle in because we drove back together. Um, and, and he's like, you know, I guess if that would happen, I would have taken fifth. And so just, it's <laughs> funny to see like how you look at it. Cause yeah. I, my first NUE top 10 was what um, propelled me into competing in that series. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I can get, I got seventh at Tatanka 100. I can be up here. Okay. And, and, you know, the way that race started, it's a neutral rollout um, from the town of Santa Clara. And in years past, because I've done this race many times now, in years past, it's a neutral rollout. Like you're all right and you're chatting. Dude, the cop car took off at 30 miles an hour. The neutral rollout at the start it's of the not- race was that like we were rolling 28 yeah. on the road. Yeah. Like my I, w- I did 500 RPM on my single speed. Like, <laughs> Um, ain't nothing neutral about it yeah like it was it was unbelievable um and this dude goes off and takes a pole and so up the first gravel climb which was a steep like single speed i'm out of the saddle big time he's up there and he's pulling the whole field and then he gapped he put a 30 second gap on elander off the front and we talked about why and it's the same thing that i did at nationals when i was racing Mackey, which was i'm intimidated by these guys pedigree Mm -hmm. and so i'm gonna show them and myself more than anything, not even them. I'm going to show me like I belong. And that's what Ryan did. And shit, he proved he belonged. Oh, um, dude. But just so did Elander, yep. you know, and he's going to have competition for that top spot on the series. So did Chad, who's going to have competition at the top spot in this year. Like it's going to be hard for all of us, um, but it's a really cool journey. And so those races, as much as, you know, I we don't need a blow by blow recap, but no. what the season will be with, um, you know, Colin, Donovan, myself, Brian, Chad, Ryan, um, Amir, everybody all were on the NUE circuit. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. And the NUE race director is there, you know, talking to us. Uh, MTV News is there interviewing Brian at the end of the race. I saw. Like, I saw, I saw yeah. He, he so posted. Like, he was like, "I'm basically famous now." Yeah. I loved it. So, so no ride around. You know, we had the largest team presence, and everyone had a result. So, yeah. like. It's really neat that for me anyway, on a personal level, is what the well, journey is. You're personally responsible for some of these guys coaching. Yeah, and and I, you know, like they, so, it's like a another yeah layer, right? I mean, they 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 go ride the bike, right? But sure. uh, but even um, you know, and I think that's what our job is, right? Um, as as the leaders of of a thing, it's our job to show um, what's available and what's possible, and so. Whether or not you listen to every race recap last year and be like, man, Justin's a really cool dude, because I'm not. Uh, um, 
But if it inspired them to go, well, I'm going to go try one of those. Yeah. That's kind of what I think has happened a little bit. And boy, that's really cool to be a part of. Yep. And um, it brings this thing to like, you know, it's a, it's a racer, not a race lifestyle. We're all racing and racers. So mm-hmm. blow by blow is probably not going to happen a whole lot. Because, you know, a race is a race, but... Yeah, there'll this, be some exciting ones, but... This journey yeah. is going to be pretty cool. So, um, looking forward to it. Heck, yeah. Well, I think we ran long, but we had a lot to cover. So, um, it's good to be back. It's good to be back recording. Heck, yeah. It was funny because, like, I've talked to you a ton. But, right. like, like, I'm not a super huggy guy, but, like, rolled up to the house. I was like, give me a hug. <laughs> like, I haven't seen you in a minute, dude. Like, <laughs> I know. It's... <laughs> It is, it's a, it's a trip. You go from seeing somebody at, like nearly every day. Yeah. Whether it was Jim having coffee, stopping by the shop, whatever. Totally, yeah. Whatever. So we're back. We're back. It's good. Um, looking forward to what the rest of the season has to, uh, to offer. And, um, yeah, we'll have some fun stuff for everybody this year. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening, everyone. You're done! So get the fuck out!